Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for today's episode with the one and only Chase Jarvis. Chase is a very good friend of mine. He also happens to be one of the best creatives out there. He was one of the world's best photographers and then channeled that uh, pursuit of creativity in a way that could serve the greatest number of people possible. And he, he launched a, a company called Creative Live, which has reached now over 10 million people, has some of the best uh, online instructors across not only creative industries, but also uh, personal development. And it's a creative resource that I go to. I have their year-long membership, really think highly of what they're creating. And he's just a, a really wonderful thought leader. And I think you'll really benefit from the message he shares today. It's really largely around a lot of the insights shared in his new book, which is called Creative Calling. And it's available uh, everywhere you can you can find books. Uh, this is being recorded the day before it's launched. So highly recommend you checking it out. He's actually doing a campaign where he's going to be sending the book, he told me on, the, uh, on a sort of personal basis to over 3,192 teachers, basically every teacher across the Seattle School District. So I just really vibe with that because he's got a heart for giving. He's always been extraordinarily generous with um, his tips um, on his personal, you know, social, as well as with Creative Live. And um, if you're interested in supporting that campaign, check out creativecalling.com backslash teacher. And he really wants to get this message out there, and he's, he's putting his uh, his personal commitment out there to make it happen. Um, so with that, it's it's my great pleasure to introduce you know world class photographer, amazing entrepreneur, and just all around great guy, sharing some of the tips he's discerned from you know interviewing thousands and thousands of people, everyone from Richard Branson to you know Brene Brown. And really sharing their profound insights as it relates to how they live their lives and the ways in which that influences their creative process. With that, I'd like to shout out two of our sponsors. Uh, they're two of my favorite companies and have been uh, longtime supporters of the show. Uh, both products I use uh, and have you know nothing but great respect for. The first is Just Thrive Probiotic. Uh, Just Thrive is Just Thrive Health. They are one of my favorite companies because they have a super high-end probiotic that has been clinically tested and clinically proven. It's got uh, a thousand times better survivability in terms of probiotic than yogurt. And it really supports immune health in, in the digestive system, which is really where we produce our serotonin. It's called the second brain, basically, our enteric nervous system. I did an episode with uh, Kieran Kishnan that I got phenomenal feedback on if you wanted to go deep into de gut health. But almost all of us uh, have issues with gut permeability based on the modern diet. So highly recommend you checking them out. If you go to justthrivehealth.com and put in uh, code PEAK, you get 15% off your order. Again, justthrivehealth.com, code PEAK for 15% off your order. Another part of my gut health regime is Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire has a super high-end uh, bone broth. And collagen, I think, is one of the most under-discussed resources when it comes to gut health. It's basically the glue that holds the body together. And its base amino acid profile is, is special because basically you have proline, glycine, <coughs> glutamine, and arginine 
which are four amino acids, amino acids the body needs, uh, basically to support overall gut health. I mean, reduce inflammation, aid digestion, uh, regulate stomach acid secretion, and maintain healthy flora and fauna. And, you know, we are genetically as complex as we are because of the symbiotic relationship we have with the uh, bacterium in our gut. So check them out, www.kettleandfire.com. If you put in kettleandfire.com backslash peakmind, you get 20% off your order. Again, kettleandfire.com backslash peakmind for 20% off your order. And with that, it is my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Chase Jarvis. All right, Chase Jarvis, it's an honor to have you on the show. Oh man, it's been a little minute. How are you doing? Great to, great to have your uh, ear, your, your voice in my ears, man. It sounds good. Yeah, likewise. Well, I'm actually, I'm doing really well. I'm heading uh, to New York tomorrow for uh, Global Citizen, which is actually, I think the last place we saw each other was uh, at the UN in New York. And uh, I remember... You know, quite fondly, our last conversation, and it actually—I never told you this, but I remember—you know—there was a period in time. You know, we talked a lot about business and creative live, and and your photography and and creative pursuits, and that was right when I had a—well, uh, not right when, but as I was sort of transitioning out. Um, and we spoke actually very personally about my father, and I never—I never relayed this to you, but you actually shared something to me that was profoundly valuable. Which is that if you could, if you can own that, if, in other words, if you can transcend the fear around it, um, there's something very, uh, I think, powerful. This is my interpretation of what you said. Oh, and, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. Man. Yeah. So I, I, I've never, never told you how much that meant to me, but uh, it meant a, a great deal to me. And and my father's story, I wound up, you know, coming out with a bit publicly, and and the amount of people that have have since. Um, related how much that's meant to them has been profound, and and you are part of that origin story. So I just want to start with a little bit of an acknowledgement. Oh man, thank you so much. I re I remember that conversation very fondly, and uh, and just the fact that we were able to connect so deeply in in a reasonably short amount of time. Every time we are we are together, I think that uh, it's kismet, and and we're kindred spirits, and. All of the the universe is conspiring to help us spend more time together. Yes, brother, uh, I'm, I I feel the same, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, to sharing out a little bit more of what you've been up to. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, which we've co you know I've got cover over a bit on, but you know, prolific photographer, uh, you know, founder of profoundly successful company uh, in Creative Live, uh, and I I got a, an early advanced uh, copy uh, as it relates to Creative Calling, and it's it was really you know, for me, I think not since the the war of art have I have I felt um, as inspired by uh, a book around creativity and sort of breaking through resistance. And uh, I just want to sort of I wanted to you know I reached out because I really wanted to to feature um, some of this wisdom for our audience. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that it's uh, it's a profound book. I'm super grateful to have had a, an early eyes on it. Um, and I, I really re related to it, not just as a, as, as a sort of a manual and inspiration for creativity, but also, um, you know, really a manual for living. Um, and, and so, 
Could you break down, there's a piece you talk about really is this notion of design, which speaks to me to intention, intentionality, but can you talk yeah. a little bit about this notion of, of, of designing your life? Because I don't think everyone would necessarily think of that first when they think about, you know, creativity. Oh, well, first of all, thank you for the, for getting the book as in like understanding it. And it really is um, for those folks who are just now acquainted with it, the books called creative calling and it like a lot of things in our lives, they're inside of us and we are slowly adding to them. And at some point it gets to be to the, <laughs> to the point where you have to get it out. And that was the story with the book. And what I realized in, you know, really analyzing my own successes and failures, my own uh, turning my back on my creativity because of what culture prescribed. And it really goes all the way back to second grade is, is, uh, I had to, to put, put my life together in a way that it started working. And then I started looking at what was working and what wasn't, and then deconstructing the lives of my friends who I found were living meaningful, fulfilled, um, important lives. And they just, there was a pattern and the pattern was pretty simple. Um, and, and that's really the sort of the three key principles of the book. One is that every person's creative. And and creativity historically is in our culture has been creativity equals art. And while that is, you know, really common and easily understood, creativity is so much bigger than art. Um, you know, creativity is putting any two new ideas together to form something new and useful. And of course, we see it manifested in, in art most easily and readily. But everything around you is created. We're co-creating this experience right now, Michael. So. You know, the, the, in order to really understand the book in the context of which you asked the question, you have to understand that principle one is that we're all creative. Principle two is that creativity is a muscle. It's, it's a habit, not a skill. And just like a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. So, you know, you spoke to intention. Uh, and, and, you know, my, my premise is that if we're intentionally creating things, that, that lands us at principle three, which is, it's in creating small daily things with intention, whether that's baking a cake, building a business, um, starting a nonprofit, um, you know, making a family, even, you know, baking a cake or creating dinner. If you start to do those small things on a regular basis with intention, something amazing happens, which you realize that you can also use those same exact muscles to create the living and the life that you want for yourself. So your ability just as a friend and as a, as a, a good reader of books to connect that I'm, I'm trying to put creativity on the same level as, as exercise and nutrition and mindfulness to me, that's, you know, that is what's different about this book. And it's also, um, to me that, that is, uh, we are creating machines, right? We, it's what differentiates us from all the other species on the planet is our ability to make tools and tools can use tools to make things and things to make every single thing around us. So when you can kind of, when you can expand this definition of creativity, make it more inclusive and you understand that the lives of the people that you respect, whether it's the Dalai Lama, your neighbor next door who lives in integrity or Richard Branson or Brene Brown, your internet heroes, all those lives were created. And yet we're not told this. We're told that that life just sort of happens to us, and and I believe, uh, and the book lays out a really simple understanding of through creating things on a small daily basis, you can create the life that you seek. 
Yeah, I I loved I I loved how you distilled that down in a way that I, that felt really accessible, and it it was interesting because it 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 triggered for me. You know, there's a book called Resilience where they talk about the Navy SEALs and the way that they got through buds was actually through segmenting, uh, and the, and that same principle was alive in Touching the Void when when uh, the climber who was left for dead, you know, basically broke down goals into into sort of, you know, 10 foot increments as he as he struggled with his femur broken, you know, left for dead. And I was like, you know, sometimes it feels like in a creative process, uh, you know, those are extreme examples, but you can feel it feels, you know, it's never the right time to create that masterpiece. And so for me, I, I just really resonated with that idea of building that muscle, that that habituality of of creativity. And it, yeah. is that is that something that you've that you've seen, uh, you know, time and again? I mean, wh- wh- yeah. where, because it's, it's every, everything uh, like that is the the thing that was killing me about this book. It was inside me, and I'm seeing, and I know it has. To, I, I've learned that have a skill. I see it everywhere. The, the lives that are, are I'm close with, the people that I mentioned who have deconstructed their experiences. I've interviewed hundreds of people, the world's top performers on my podcast. We powered the learning for tens of millions of people at Creative Live. And there's just, it's a very crystal clear pattern that those lives are created. And that is the secret for the people who create them is they realize that they have agency. It's literally in creating small daily things that they that they understand that they have the capacity to to create their lives. And when you deconstruct one layer further, what they're doing is they are intentionally setting out a series of, uh, you know, in the same way that you'd, um, you know, you want to create a habit around, around eating well or nutrition or sleep and they're doing it. And it doesn't, this is a really important thing to understand about the creativity and the way that I'm talking about it, which I do think is the difference between like the war of art or, um, all the other books that have been popularized around, around creativity is that they tend to approach it from, um, you know, you have to wear the beret and get a new set of friends. And, you know, and, and to me, this is just it's crazy pragmatic. It's it does not require you to wear a beret or move to Paris or get a new set of friends or paint with oils or whatever. This you, this is something you can do immediately. And And when I look at my friends and friends of friends and the world's top performers, they have a series of daily habits in the same way that you would around your own nutrition, mindfulness, or sleep. And they practice that. It becomes so innate to them. Like to me, you know, I, I take pictures of my iPhone all the time. And that simple act, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when the iPhone first came out or phones with cameras, it transformed the way I thought. And I was a full-time professional photographer making millions of dollars and taking pictures with super fancy cameras, but even just upgrading my life a little bit and starting to take pictures literally every single day was transformative to me. So like there's this, there's this muscle capacity that we have, which we're just now starting to to, to tap into. And it's understandable because, you know, even just 10 years ago, our accessibility to these tools, to the mindset that will allow us to create, to be a publisher rather than have to go through a gatekeeper. These are all things that are just now sort of becoming available to us, you know, in the scope of human time or evolution, or even over the last hundred years, it's only really been the last 10 years. And so we're on the front edge, the cusp of a massive transformation where creativity is becoming the new literacy. Yeah. I, that, that hit me hard. Um, 
as I was processing what you were what you were putting out there, especially given you know how many you know I, I think this is a manual and a roadmap to sort of train us both in the creative process but also in living because so many of us have to reinvent ourselves time and again in the 21st century, right? Like, uh, you know, it's no longer our, 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 our parents' generation of gold watch at the end of 30 years. And so that's why I thought your book was so important because it's like, how do you develop those muscles knowing that the average person will work more than 12 jobs, you know, by their mid thirties, you know, and how do you know when to make those transitions, for example? Um, and so I don't know if there's any insights you can share, because I know that both, you know, with your podcast and, and, and all the interviews you've done and, and the work with Creative Live, you have such tremendous insights, but what have been some of the key aspects that you've dissected as, as commonplace in, in the habits of, of these elite performers and, and creatives? Uh, I love the question because the same things that are in use by, you know, there's, there's some universes where oh, the, what differentiates, say, some world-class cyclist from someone else is the, the amount of oxygen in their blood or the, you know, there's like some crazy um, genetic thing. And what differentiates us from the best creators in the world and the people that sort of we aspire to or who inspire us is it might be 10,000 hours mm. or a thousand hours or whatever, but here's the kicker. It's one decision mm. away, one or two decisions. Like you just have to decide to make creativity a daily practice, for example, and then, and then do it or whatever your goal is. And then, start moving towards it. And I think that's, this is an important time to inject. Um, what I find is this is the Trojan horse of the book. And I think this is what actually, you know, makes it more of a manual for life as opposed to just a manual for creativity. And it's, first of all, we're, we're, we're taught to ignore arguably our most valuable <laughs> asset you know, the creativity, of course, and also our, our intuition mm. and people around us, you know, from a very early age will tell us what to do, how to do it, what we're supposed to do in life, what's going to make us safe and happy. And here's the thing is all those people, we love them. They love us. They care for us. And so it makes it really, really confusing when you're getting super shitty advice from them. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And, and, and it comes from a previous universe where it really was safe and important to go to this college and get these grades so you can get this job. And, you know, the reality, and you just touched on it, is if our parents had one job, we will have five. The next generation will have five at the same time. And as you mentioned, we'll have 12 by the age of 30 something. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, going back to a, yet an earlier point you made about just we're in a period of constant reinvention and that can sound exhausting if you think of it in terms of how it was defined for you 20 years ago or 40 years ago so the goal that i'm trying to sort of break through on is that no no this is a constant process it can be not only a source of joy but the source of your joy to consistently be because this is about connection this is about you know, not just connecting to others, but this important point I'm, I'm circling right now, which is connecting to yourself. We've been told to ignore that childhood instinct that said how much fun it was to, you know, bake a cake. 
And right now there's a software engineer somewhere in, you know, Silicon Valley who wants nothing more than to be a cafe owner. And she's told that she has to provide X for her family and have a certain standard of living and that being an engineer is super reputable. But inside, she just wants to bake some scones. And so she's sitting there thinking this gap between where she is right now and where she wants to be as a cafe owner at, in, in Woodside, you know, making these amazing scones and pour over coffee. She thinks she's a million miles away because she doesn't know how to talk to her family about it. She doesn't know how to talk to her peers. She's going to think she's crazy. And yet we all have some calling inside of us that we're ignoring, that we're maybe not even fully ignoring, but we're just not fully leaning into. And I'm trying to get us to, well, let's just say, imagine a world where you paid attention to that. And not just you paid attention to it, but we did as a culture and we celebrated it. And then we empowered people to go create that for themselves. What a different world it would be. So powerful, and I think it's it's I think it's the existential question in some ways of our time because so many people are trying to find the sort of in your words that intuition right that intuitive signal through the noise of of that sort of yep. social programming, and yep. and I love that you actually systematize. I mean, not only do you give real world examples, but you you sort of present a system that people can apply because I think that's one of the challenges, right? Is a lot of times people don't know where to start and where. Yep where Sorry. to distinguish between intuition and fear. And can you talk, mm -hmm. you have that idea system, which I'd love for you to talk about, but also, I mean, part, you talk about following the fear. So can you, can you break that down a yeah. little bit for us? Yeah, happy to do it. So again, this is like, this is research. <laughs> I don't yes. have a PhD in psychology or philosophy. I did drop out of a PhD in the philosophy of art. So I know just enough to be dangerous. Uh, and I didn't give two shits about the piece of paper, but my my experience is, again, based on the research of any single project, any individual creative project, whether that's building a business, baking a cake, um, or a life. And the people who I feel like, through speaking with them and understanding who they are and what they're about, the the times and places where it was successful, and I think each of us can acknowledge this as I, as I you know, unfold this here. Um, my own experience, and I think you may feel the same way, that when success happened, there was a particular pattern. And the pattern that emerges is a simple four-step pattern. Touch this in all sorts of different things, whether it's Brene Brown or Tony Robbins, whatever. I, I, I couch all this in creativity because I think it's this fundamental skill, or sorry, it's this fundamental habit and this superpower that we have that we've been ignoring. And the pattern, basically the, the, the process goes like this. It's I-D-E-A, and this is, happens to be the structure of the book, the section on I, D, E, and A. So the acronym, obviously IDEA, but each, each individual part is one step in a process. And the first, first step is imagine. Nothing happens, like if, what's the saying? If you don't know where you're trying to go, you're certainly never gonna get there. Like imagining what's possible for this project or for your life. And we've been taught to really constrain our thinking because we want it to be realistic and rational and all these things. Well, we're starting to learn a lot about our mind that rational thought is actually slow and imperfect and really limiting. 
because the brain is not meant to keep you happy or help you reach new heights. The brain is meant to keep you alive. And I use the word the brain intentionally because it's a two million year old organ. It's not there to be your friend. And we need to find a way to overpower that. And and in order to dream big enough and that, you know, the people that are inspirational to you, by and large, even if it's just a very simple life, they have found a way to imagine something more for themselves, something more possible. Even it's just like, you know, someone who has just an amazing disposition first personally for me my wife Kate comes to mind like we can be in the middle of a shitstorm and she is the most loving kind person hmm. and that is something that sh- that is we are taught to believe is not possible and then you see it happening and you're reminded of this old chinese proverb the person who says something is impossible should um stand out of the way of the person who's doing it and and so we we relatively <laughs> limit where we we relatively um, rarely allow ourselves to truly imagine so the section of the book is is about how to do that and how to basically pick a a life or some um, amazing version of the project that you're trying to make the second one is design which is something you said resonated with you and that is nothing happens without a plan right if you're going to build a house think about it you have an architect they drop the plans and then you go if you just start hammering boards together, it's it's hard to actually make the thing that you see in your mind. Um, and so the same is true for life. Like if you wanted to lose 20 pounds, this is a little bit of a cliche, brutish example. But if you wanted to lose 20 pounds, you just can't just can't, you know, cross your fingers and hope that's not really a strategy. You have to design a set of strategies and a system to get you there. And that's you know, what kind of food are you going to put in your body? How much are you going to put in your body? When? What else are you going to do? Will you move your body? And, and again, brutish cliche example, but it's very easy to see that that you need to design a system of habits and routines that will help you get your get your goal. The third the third is E, which is just execute. So you're just executing the plan that you've made for yourself. And then the last one is A. And that stands for Amplify, which I believe is the most, I mean, nothing I'm saying here is radical. Everyone's going, yeah, okay, obviously this sounds like how you do anything. Um, but A is is the, the to me, the, <laughs> the special sauce that 99% of people miss out on. And that is amplifying your ideas out into the world. And the way you do that unmistakably, unequivocally is through building community. And you can, I mean, just we are, we were taught, I don't know about you, Michael, you can verify this or not, but I was taught that the cream rises to the top and all you have to do is be good and then you will be rewarded. Or if you're the best golfer, then you're going to win the tournament. And if you're the best, at, you know, the, and, and which we all know now, it even sounds absurd when you say it. Um, and of course, being good is, is, is good at your craft is a huge value but there's so many amazing people who've done all these amazing things in their parents basement and it never sees the light of day nor do they nor do their ideas so ultimately community is the thing that where 95 percent of people whiff on making their dreams come true because we're, we're, we're taught it's an individual sport when in reality nothing is the success of anything you've seen is not an individual effort. And so whether we're joining existing communities around the things that we love and the, the areas of which we need to learn, or I would say, and building a community around ourselves and our work, 
those, you know, that is a huge, huge lever that is wildly misunderstood, uh, has really come to its own now with the internet and the ability to have a community connected uh, electronically all over the world, basically overnight, is, 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 it's been so misunderstood, so I spent a lot of time helping us figure that out. Yeah, that to me actually is is was profoundly resonant, um, in part because a lot of the research I've done, I mean, even, you know, on the health side, you know, Harvard says, you know, the longest longitudinal study of its kind, the greatest factor in your long-term health and happiness uh, is, is the quality of your long-term relationships. And I think one of the things that I've observed uh, in you over the years is your ability to, you know... And I don't know this. I've not heard this talked about explicitly. I've heard you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the death threats that came from other photographers who felt threatened by it. But I remember <laughs> early watching your videos and, you know, the, the distinction was obviously you're a profoundly successful professional. And most people took the approach of, OK, using your words earlier, I'm going to keep my secret sauce to myself because that's why I get paid the big bucks. You took the approach, which was uh, the opposite, um, and and frankly, quite early, uh, and, and led to you know your profound development of of, of a community online. But of I'm going to actually open up. You know, here's the kimono. Here here here's all my secret tricks. I want you to have them. Go off and create. And I really I really felt that, that was one of the distinguishing elements that I that I that I felt you know set you apart early days. Um, was your 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 willingness to share so um, transparently with 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 the with the mind of of how can I help others? Which I, I'd love to hear how that sort of evolved for you over time. Because I know you know the other thing that I've noticed about you is you move from a, a profoundly successful photographer, which many people would just stay in that lane because they had achieved a certain level of prominence, success, etc., uh, and then move through. Uh, you know, sort of best camera, which which was also very successful um, in a way, a pre Instagram uh, before Instagram was even born. Um, yet, uh, and if you had, frankly, if you had stayed with that and and gotten frustrated by Instagram, probably would have kept you from ultimately, you know, creative live. So it's, to me, I, there's a curiosity, and I know that community is vastly important to you, but you also knew. It occurs to me, again, from afar, that you knew when to pivot your energy. And I feel like um, community helps us in, in knowing when to make those pivots, but also there's that intuition and, 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 yeah. and there's systems. How do you, because I've never asked you this, um, how do you navigate through those tough questions as it relates to uh, both you know, who you're surrounding yourself with and how they help you make some of the tough decisions as you pivot uh, creatively through life, especially as it relates to your profession. Sure. Um, well, I'm going to answer those some in, in a little bit of reverse order. So the ability to find, I think this, this is part of what, what I've learned and I've also seen as a pattern in others is mastery is a profound thing and I can say unequivocally I mastered photography and I did it through all of the same ways that you hear you master something right totally disproportionate amount of effort and time and etc but something really cool happens when you master anything whether it's you know uh, how to work on two-stroke motors or baking cakes or building businesses I mastered photography and what that helped me understand is the ability to then apply the principles of mastering something 
to something else. And you see this a lot in, in um, yeah, just take our, our mutual friend, Tim Ferriss, for example, like Tim in learning how to learn, you deconstruct for him. It was salsa dancing early on uh, or tango. And then it was, um, I think it was uh, jujitsu. And, you know, I was like, wait a minute, the guy's become a world champion in so many things and then speed reading and then entrepreneurship and then investing. And you're like, this guy is a super freak autodidact, but it's, it's literally just mastering a thing. And then that paves the way for you to master others. Uh, but to circle around and, and, and go to the next point that you um, asked about, which to me, this, the ability to um, use the word pivot I'm going to call it follow your own path mm. is, is another thing that is trained out of us. Just, just go back to the beginning. You're go out, walk into any first grade classroom and say, who wants to come up to the front of the room and draw me a picture? How many hands goes up? Every hand goes up. The kids are climbing on their desks to come to the front of the room and draw you a picture. And yet if you ask that same question in a sixth grade classroom and then grade 10 and then in college, it's reduced by half and by half and by half. And that is because we're training out of us the desire, the ability to be creative because the system, it's just, it's complex and the system does a lot better handling average people with average ambition and a very, just like a very staid and simple path. And there's no evil genius, right? Forcing us on this path, but this, we are social animals and this is what happens in a social society is that society tries to cultivate a bunch of people that are average. And that means not only does it mean like average lifestyle, average lifespan, average um, number of years on the planet or number of experiences, but it's also average love, average emotion, average depth of relationships, average connection. And so, you know, the philosophy that I've been operating off of and that I embed in the book it goes back to that intuition. You can talk about it as a when to pivot. I like to think of it more in terms of like, what's, what is real for me? What do I actually want to do? And again, we were, we have to, we are taught to in the same way we're taught to suspend our creativity. We're taught to suspend our intuition. And we know that the brain is slow and that rational thought is very fallible. We also know that intuition is insanely powerful and that it's a different kind of memory. That's why we call it a gut, right? Because you feel it in your body. It is different than your brain. I'm advocating us to use all of our faculties, our gut, our brain, everything, to listen to that thing that sounds, it's not a, hey, Michael, come over here and do this thing. It's a whisper. Mm. And at first it sounds confusing and it, 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 it butts up against so many of the things that you're taught from people that you care about and people who you respect that you, you ignore it. And then it comes up again a little bit later and then you maybe tapped into it just for a second. And, and I ask you, how did that feel? And you tell me, Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> and then you feel guilty. And then you go back to the thing that you were supposed to be doing that average people were telling you to live an average life. And, and so you, you get back on that train and, Again, no evil genius, but this is just the thing that we're taught. So in the book, I teach you to unthink those things. Uh-huh. And the way that I, the metaphor that I talk about is, is a path. And when you hear your calling, it, you're not presented with a map, which is what every culture 
prescribes, especially Western culture, they give you a map, right? It's if you go to this school, get these grades, you get this job, then you're going to be happily ever after. And they lay out all that for you. Here you are. Here's your dot. And then a bunch of dotted curvy lines. And then here's the red X. But whose map actually works like that? (laughs) Nobody's done. All we're really given, Michael, is a compass. And the difference between a map and a compass is a map shows you the whole journey, the beginning, middle, and the end. Never turns out like that. A compass is very, very real because what does a compass do? It just points you in a direction. And what we need to do is start to learn to listen to that internal compass we have. And I say internal, not accidentally at all. It's very, very important to realize that your compass is something that you are born with and we are taught to ignore it. And if you can break through that and start to listen to it, it's where all the best stuff in life is. Because even if you're afraid, your compass is still pointing in that direction. And if you're willing to walk on that path, to be clear also, this is a path that nobody else can walk because it's imperfect, it's got your DNA, it's got your life experience, and it's not a straight line. You know, I think this is another thing that drives me crazy about a lot of books today is it says, oh, if you want to have a great business, start out with great thing A, then go to great thing B, great thing C, and then you'll finish with great thing D and you're happy ever after. My journey, $100,000 in student debt. People around me that I wanted to be close with that I that died before I could connect with them. My own near-death experience being caught in an avalanche in Alaska, I should be dead by every measure of the world. All of these really imperfect, horrible things helped me understand that, you know what, all these paths, we're all, we can only be on our own. So wherever you are right now, that's where you're supposed to be. I'm just asking you to get really real and start to pay attention to this compass that we're told to ignore. I give you a handful of tools to do it, and I think it's the secret. It's the secret to the lives of the people that you admire and respect, and it's the secret to yours. Yeah, beautifully said, man. I uh, I, I really resonated with that idea, idea of the compass. And I also liked when you broke down this notion of explorations, because I think sometimes the severity of, of your calling and listening to your calling, even if intuitively you know what it is or you think you know what it is, can feel so daunting. Yeah. Yet when you break it down, it's kind of like, you know, sort of that ideal day exercise. Instead of focusing on what your ideal life has to be like, how do you break it into like one day? But for you, what I loved is you talk about these this, this sort of notions of explorations and just yeah. be, and being in the practice of something. Um, yeah. Do you do you find I also like the the notion of the creative pyramid that you break down, which I think would be really helpful for the audience. I'd love for you to sort of uh, uh, touch on, but that notion yeah. of mindset is so is so is so fundamental to everything you're talking, right? It's, it's obviously the base of that pyramid. Um, I think the intuition people can say, okay, I, I, sometimes I can listen to the gut, but it's hard to distinguish sometimes between what's my fear and what's my intuition. Uh, and so are there practices, (laughs) for example, that you implement to help for lack of a better term, sort of clear the noise? Like what, 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 what's the, what's the chase Jarvis, 
secret sauce. And I, you know, obviously this is a bigger conversation as you goes into the creative pyramid, but to that mindset piece, right? Like I know I've, I've listened to your morning routine. I'm happy for you to share that if that's part of it, but, but what is it that, 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 that enables you to um, stay in a clear mindset so that you know, you're listening to the right voice within. You're not going to like the answer. No, one's <laughs> right here, there, right now, there's someone at, in Ohio in their underwear going like, "Uh oh, he's talking to me." <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're jogging right now, you're trying by a park bench or whatever. Like, here's the the deal: is we try. This goes back to our rational mind. We try and intellectualize our way out of everything because that's what we're taught. It's a muscle that we're taught, and it's not not helpful. But when we rely on it exclusively, it it, it isn't our friend and. We try and think our way into our ideal life. And we do so from the couch with the Xbox or distracted or, and there's nothing more, the, the way I categorize it in the book is there's a large section on what I call action over intellect. And what I, I liked what you said was experiment. And see if you follow me here, if you know one experiment and then doing that for the rest of your life is not really an experiment, right? It's like, that is some a path that's been prescribed. And I, I advocate um, that exploration point that you made earlier. This is the way you become attuned to something. And, and I think you said it early on here just a, a moment ago. It's like when you think about it in terms of the day, it's totally manageable. And you think about it in terms of like, wait, I need to transition out my whole life. Wait, wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. Just just go with me here. You, this is not about, you know, um, selling your house, you know, moving, getting a new set of friends, all these things are, are possible right where you're standing today. You, you literally can start doing this process today. And the part of the, um, the part of the equation of, let's go back to the person I said, they're a software engineer and all she really wants to do is own a cafe. Well, finding a lease, uh, buying a bunch of equipment, um, naming a restaurant, branding it, developing a menu, uh, forking out all the cash and all that stuff. That is what culture tells us you have to do when what you and I know, and if I, you know, held you hostage for a moment, you'd, you'd tell me this, but I'll just short circuit this and for expeditious reasons, you just need to start baking scones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You just need to pour a cup of coffee and develop a great cup of coffee. And then you start doing that for your friends on Sundays. And then you enter your scones in a baking contest. And then you start catering on the side. And then you transition from a full-time software engineer to a part-time software engineer and a part-time caterer. And then you open a coffee cart that serves amazing homemade scones or a food truck. And then, you know, it's just like, and, and it goes back to this um, small, small actions aggregated create the arc of our careers, the, the, the arc of our lives. And we're, we're paralyzed by sitting in our seat as a software engineer thinking, how do I get from part A to part B? And that's why, again, another reason I wrote the book, and that's why all of this stuff is a process. And then to connect that back to um, process, um, you know, you have to believe that your situation is changeable, right? This is the creative mindset. You have to believe that you're not a cork bobbing in the tide. And you have to identify with the fact that these lives of the people that I admire and respect and appreciate, those lives, like a, like a chocolate cake, they are created. 
In fact, like every single thing in your field of view right now was created. It was first imagined, then it was designed, then it was executed, and then it was put out into the, into the world. It was amplified. And so whether you're baking a cake or you're making your life, you, like it's, you, you literally need to get to work doing, <laughs> doing the thing. And it sounds, it sounds so, um, I'm trying to take this basically profound 60,000 foot, uh, mountain and boil it down to the, what do you do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And the reality is what you do tomorrow is you start, you bake a scone. Chop wood, carry water, so to speak. I, I, yeah. I love that. So what, what, okay. So in this notion, I the pyramid, give me, give me 10 seconds to go to the pyramid. So yeah, go the, for this, it. this is, is, is mindset. The Egyptians knew that you can't build a, a gigantic building on a flimsy foundation. Right. And, and I think mindset, like you have to believe these things in order for them to take, to, to, to take effect. Um, and you know, there's a bunch of mindset activities in the book. Um, some tactical stuff, but this is not this is not rocket science either. It's pretty simple stuff, um, but I find it to be radically profound in its ability to create the outcomes. So believing that you can change your outcome wherever you are in life is is something that's uh, important. There's a handful of other things. The next basically layer of the pyramid in this three three tier pyramid is habits, and the tip of the pyramid is goals and if you just had a mindset and you did nothing, you could never achieve your goals, right? And if you just had a habit, or if you had a mindset and a habit, but you didn't actually aspire to do anything in particular, you you wouldn't be able to get where you want to go because you hadn't defined it. So, you know, I think as I think about the, as we think about what is not just human achievement, but human fulfillment, all of these things are required the mindset a set of behaviors that will get us there and then the place where we would ultimately like to end up love that um so in terms of the creative pyramid as people are are, are applying this and they're and they're you know they're working on getting their mindset right they're they're doing you know they're they're starting to get effective habits that keep them in process um towards their goals you know, we, we also live in a world that's filled with, for lack of a better term, distraction. Um, how do you how do you keep focus on your path as, as you discuss it? You know, like how do people amidst the, the, you know, the Instagram highlight reels and all the different things that are competing for our attention? Yeah. How do we stay on our own creative path? Oh, that's a great question, Michael, because it's really hard. <laughs> um, it really is. I mean, just think about a mindfulness practice or meditation, for example. Meditation isn't the act of staying on the mantra. Meditation is the, the process of when your mind wanders, bringing it back. When the attention comes off of the mantra, bringing it back. And that is the same way with the path. You know, we'll, it's, it's a compass. It's not a map. So it's not going to be a straight line. It's not going to be efficient, but that's not actually how we understand ourselves and be in the world. We, we just hear our calling. We're walking towards it using our compass and we will, we will be distracted. The point of, you know, having a good mindset and a set of behaviors and, and some goals in mind are 
to be the thing that brings you back to what you're supposed to be doing. And that that is, you know, go back to our early, early part of this conversation, which is we're taught to ignore that. And any time, you know, how many times you can just think back in your own experience where things felt amazing. It's very easy to say, what was I doing? Who was I with? How was I spending my time? What was my emotional state? You can look at that and you can say, wow. And it can seem so foreign. Or you can say, wait a minute, I'm just going to try and recreate that. And that is the act of just continuing to bring yourself back to your calling. Bring yourself back to what it is you're supposed to be doing. Because right now, every single person who's listening, you're in one of two states. You're either living the dream and you are on your path and it feels like you're on a rocket ship or there's a gap between what you're doing and what you want to be doing, what you're living, what you're experiencing and what you want to be living and experiencing. I'm thinking it's probably 95, five, right? 95% of us are not quite on that gap or are not quite on that path. Yeah. But yeah. again, I invite you to remember that you are one, maybe a thousand hours from your path maybe a hundred hours, maybe 10,000. I don't know what it is you want to be or do, but your one decision from being back on that path. And that is the commitment to being authentically you unapologetically, no questions asked you. And it doesn't require that you leave your family, that you move out of the house that you're in, that you downgrade your lifestyle. In actuality, it's probably if you change the lens through which you looked at your lifestyle and you do have to make some changes, even if it is communicating some hard news to your family or changing some of your circumstances, what is the cost of ignoring your calling? What is the cost of ignoring who you were supposed to be? And I'll tell you, it's very, very high. The number one regret of a dying human being, this is science, this is research, this is not me. The number one regret is that they let other people dictate the course of their own lives. They let other people write their script. And, and how horrible would that be to be at the end of your days and realize that you had you had followed the script that someone else wrote for you, someone who may have even loved you and, and been important to you, or maybe it was just pop culture pressure. These are, you know, it doesn't matter where that comes from. I can tell you at the end, neither one matters. What really matters is that you've betrayed yourself. And I think that's a very high price to pay to not want to have hard conversations, to not want to change your current circumstances because you got one shot. So, so powerful uh, and so true. Um, yeah, there's, 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 you've lived, no, I know you've lived this. Like, yeah. I, I, you, you really genuinely have. I remember following that conversation over at the UN. It sounds funny. <laughs> when we were at the UN talking about important things. No, but like, I remember the transition that you were talking about and you know, the next time you, you ring me up, you said, Hey, do you want to come hang with the Dalai Lama? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, we were just talking about like building a business like two weeks ago. And now we're, like there's some profound changes when you actually listen to that part of you and a crazy thing happens. Actually a couple of crazy things happen. One, you all of a sudden have, an energy that you always admired in others who were on their path. And it's sort of a pull that the, 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 the situation pulls you. And then thing two is that 
humans, we're social animals. We're really wired into this and we can smell it. We can see, we can feel when someone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's intoxicating and it creates that connection that we could use now more than ever in our you know, human history, I would say. Yeah, it gives it gives other people permission when you see people following their their sort of authentic path. Um, yeah, yeah, and and creative calling is a roadmap for that. So I definitely want to recommend to all the listeners. I know your time is uh, valuable, and and you've got to go in, in in a couple minutes. So I just want to say to the audience, really, really powerful read. Um, highly recommend creative calling. Chase, where can people uh, where can people find you online, and uh, and and when is the book coming out? Sure. Well, the book is, by the time this comes out, it, the book comes out tomorrow. So unless you edit this and post it today, which maybe you could, you're pretty fast and good. Um, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it today, baby. Now. For you, we'll do it today. It's available now everywhere books are sold online. Um, and I think there's a, there's, it's worth going to check out creativecalling.com. We've got a couple of pretty cool bonuses. Um, there's a class that we're doing at Creative Life specifically for people who have the book and we're having some very special guests. Um, and that's, uh, maybe a few weeks out now. So, but you have to pre-order the book between now and has, by the 28th. Um, we have to buy the book in order to be in the class. And, and the, the information on that class, um, is at creativecalling.com. And I'm just Chase Jarvis out there on the internet. You can find me. If you can type in the word Chase and photographer or Chase Jarvis or whatever, you'll you'll find me. And uh, I'm I really do enjoy cultivating community online. I've got a podcast, of course, Creative Live, and it would be fun to to um, to share share in community with anyone who's listening. So maybe new to my work. Yeah, check out Chase. Uh, I, I've you've been a, an incredibly valuable resource in terms of before we even knew each other, uh, and now uh, just greatly relish in our uh, in our continuously developing friendship. But also just very inspired by you professionally, man. Like really want to acknowledge and honor you for for being the stand that you are in the world. Uh, and you know, so many people yearn to unleash their creativity, uh, and, and frankly live a life more congruent with their heart. And I know that you have helped me in terms of, uh, letting that voice, uh, flow through. And I know that you will, uh, have inspired millions already, but will continue to, to build and inspire. And, uh, I'm just glad to be on the, on the path with you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Michael. And and I say that from a very clear-headed, you know, point of view. I've watched you step onto your path, and uh, and I watched it be like a catapult for you. Just the wake that was coming off of you was um, <laughs> super impressive. And uh, I really enjoy our time together. And again, thanks for supporting the book, and more importantly, I think the movement to get us back to our truest nature as human beings that we're 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 creative in every sense of the word and um if we can just lean into that and acknowledge it call ourselves creators um then the world is is literally anything is possible 100 percent, chase this won't be our last conversation thank you my man go out and get the book everyone that's listening and uh very grateful for you Appreciate your time today, Michael. Thanks, bud. Okay. And there you have it. Epic conversation with my man, Chase Jarvis. Really, really enjoyed his book and his perspective. I think 
far often we think about creativity as, as the dominion of artists. And we are all artists. We are all creatives. And I think it's incumbent upon us, in fact, probably now more than ever, to tap into our own creative genius and, and follow our gut and our intuition to that which is uniquely our own to share with the world. So if you enjoyed the episode, please tag at Michael Trainer at Chase Jarvis. Uh, let us know where you're listening, what you got out of the episode, and go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes. And it would mean the world to me if you did enjoy it, if you shared it off with folks you think might get a lot of value from the episode. It's the vision of this podcast to really grow this Peak Mind community, and I've been elated with all the ratings and reviews and, and feedback and comments that you guys have sent us. So uh, please continue to share. Please continue to rate and review. And please go out there and live your inspired life.